To make a donation, visit biblicallycorrectpodcast.org slash donate. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. What's wrong with being messianic? Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. This is the Biblically Correct Podcast, teaching biblical correctness in a biblically incorrect world. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. When a believer in Yeshua says that they're messianic, what exactly do they mean? Should it be cause for concern that they hold strange, unbiblical beliefs? Or does it represent a profound scriptural understanding of the faith not embraced by traditional Christianity? Maybe it's a combination of both. Today, I want to talk to you about this word, messianic, what it means, where it comes from, from both a biblical perspective and from my perspective as a Messianic Jew. We'll look at the ways Messianic is being used among believers today, and also the attitudes and practical outworkings, some of them problematic, that often accompany this somewhat amorphous theological term. Now, before I start, I want to acknowledge that there are a lot of different views and perspectives on this topic. So, as with all my teachings, if you have any questions about what I'm about to say, or want to dialogue with me on this further, Leave me a comment about it or send me an email. I'll leave you my email at the end of the teaching. So the word messianic is used by some believers in Yeshua, Jesus, as an alternative to the label Christian. In just a bit, I'll be getting to the why of this choice in self-identification. But for now, let's start by seeing if there's even any biblical basis for the English word messianic. Now remember that the two primary original languages of the Bible are Hebrew and Greek. And the Greek word for Christian is, in fact, in the Bible. We find the first of only three occurrences of the word Christian in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, which says in part in the ESV, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, the word Christian comes from the word Christ, or in Greek, Christos. In the Septuagint, the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, Christos translates the Hebrew word Mashiach which is where we get the English Messiah. It's from Messiah, then, that we finally derive the word messianic. So in the same way that Christian is Christ plus the English ending I-A-N, as in technician or pediatrician, messianic is Messiah with the ending I-C, as in rabbinic or mechanic. So the Greek Christos and the English Christ and Messiah all come from the Hebrew word Mashiach, Therefore, Messianic, as a derivative of Messiah and a linguistic equivalent of Christian, is also a legitimately translated biblical term. Both Christian and Messianic, then, carry the same connotation of one who is like or one who belongs to or one who follows Christ or the Messiah. This means that from a purely theological standpoint, Christian and Messianic are equivalent. They mean exactly the same thing. They both speak to the character of the believer's relationship to Yeshua. So the word messianic is in fact rooted in the Bible. And theologically speaking, it is a legitimate Hebraic alternative to the name Christian. So if Christian and messianic mean exactly the same thing, then why do some believers choose the name messianic? Why not just stick with the name Christian? Well, to answer that, 
we need to go back some 60 years to the birth of a modern Messianic Jewish movement, or more generally called today Messianic Judaism. When the modern state of Israel was established in 1948, it especially affected many American believers, the event being seen as a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. As a result, when young Jewish people began to come to Yeshua in the 1950s and 60s, they retained a zeal and connection to their Jewishness that previous generations of Jewish believers had de-emphasized. Up to that point, Jewish believers often identified as Hebrew Christians, acknowledging their Jewish ancestry, but practicing the faith primarily through traditional, denominational, non-Jewish Christianity. But many young Jewish believers of the 60s saw in themselves and their generation the fulfillment of a long-lost promise and considered their Jewishness not only fully compatible with their faith in Yeshua, but something that needed to be expressed outwardly. Though at the time, Jewish believers were still far fewer than today, they managed to find each other and come together through associations such as the Hebrew Christian Alliance of America, the HCAA, which was established in 1915. But the new generation of Jewish believers weren't in agreement with the Hebrew Christian approach to the faith and were compelled to not only live their faith more Jewishly, but to reach other Jewish people with the good news of Yeshua from an overt Jewish perspective. Their big concern, which continues today, was that Jewish people are by default resistant to Christianity, and therefore the message of Yeshua. Despite the fact that on paper, Jews and Christians both worship the God of Israel, in practice, Christianity is a foreign religion that doesn't resemble anything Jewish in theology or expression, and it has been the religion of record for people who have persecuted and slaughtered Jews for the last 2,000 years. So the young Jewish believers of the 1960s recognized this built-in aversion to Christianity and by association, Yeshua, and believed that if they were going to reach their Jewish families and friends with the truth of the Messiah, then removing the man-made construct of Christianity could be the answer. That if they could present Yeshua and Paul and the entire New Testament in its original Jewish context, which is supported and evidenced by the scriptures themselves, then the only stumbling block for Jews would not be the Christian religion, but the Master Yeshua himself. This movement toward the retention and expression of Jewishness among Jewish believers became encapsulated in the push to no longer identify as Hebrew Christians, but as Messianic Jews. In short, a Hebrew Christian saw himself as a Christian of Hebrew descent, but a Messianic Jew sees himself as a Jew of Messianic faith. It's a radical change in perspective. The inclusion of the terms Hebrew or Jew was never intended to be a reflection on the importance the believer places on being a follower of Messiah, but rather a reflection of the believer's attitude toward his Jewishness. For a Hebrew Christian, being Jewish or Hebrew is somewhat incidental to being Christian. But the pioneers of the modern Messianic Jewish movement saw being a Messianic Jew as a restoration and better representation of the way it was with the believers in the beginning. The first believers in Yeshua weren't Christians who happened to be Hebrews. They were Jews 
who became Messianic. The term Messianic Jew, then, better encapsulated the continuation of the Jewish people's history and faith now fulfilled in Yeshua. The first one to officially make this shift in terminology was my predecessor in MJMI, Manny Brotman, who founded the ministry Shalom Incorporated in 1963, then changed the name in 1971 to the Messianic Jewish Movement International. MJMI is now a sister ministry of Perfect Word since 2014. So MJMI is the oldest ministry on record to adopt the new Messianic Jewish terminology. In fact, Manny was responsible for pioneering and popularizing a lot of biblically-based Jewish-friendly terminology that represented the Messianic Jewish perspective of the faith. No doubt, being involved in the HCAA, Manny was mutually influenced by and influential upon other young believers, and in 1973, the HCAA followed suit in attempting to rebrand and rename the ministry. Though the effort failed at the time, it finally succeeded in 1975 when the HCAA changed its name to the MJAA, the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America, which continues today. So 50 years ago, with the emergence of the modern Messianic Jewish movement and the establishment of Messianic Jewish congregations and synagogues, Jewish believers began to no longer refer to themselves as Hebrew Christians, but as Messianic Jews in part as a means of removing a perceived barrier to reaching Jewish people with the good news, and also in part as a reflection of their desire to reconnect with and restore the continuity of faith with the Jewish believers of Yeshua's day. The founders of the emerging Messianic Jewish movement realized that after 2,000 years of Christian history, the name Christian had taken on connotations in the public sphere that were incompatible with being Jewish. As far as most Jews are concerned, Christianity is a Gentile religion, and Jesus is the God of the Gentiles. Not to mention, Christianity itself has its own embedded anti-Jewish theology. A change of name, then, meant a challenge to both the religion of Christianity as well as the preconceptions among Jews about believing in Yeshua. So the modern usage of the name Messianic began among Jewish believers, which instantly associated the term with Jewishness. The word itself, being derived from the Hebrew Mashiach and then the English Messiah, helped to solve an evolving identity issue among these Jewish believers. While the word Messianic in place of Christian in no way represented a retreat from the faith in Yeshua, they nevertheless saw the loss of their Jewish lineage, heritage, and biblical perspective within the walls of Christianity as antithetical to the fulfillment of God's plan for the salvation of Israel and ultimately the world. Being fully Jewish and fully Messianic without compromising either one was their goal. So for about the next three decades, the word Messianic continued to be associated primarily with the Messianic Jewish movement and Messianic Judaism. But as more Christians began to join congregations and become more deeply involved, the term Messianic began to be adopted also by Gentile believers, which makes sense. They were worshiping alongside Jewish believers who called themselves and their congregations Messianic. And now that these Christians were no longer in a purely Christian space, the term Messianic became a natural replacement for the term Christian. 
yet the Jewish association with the term remained. In calling themselves Messianic, Gentile believers in Messianic congregations were communicating their alliance with their Jewish brothers and sisters, as well as their adopted Jewish expression and understanding of the faith. And for a while, it worked. It wasn't until the mid to late 90s and into the 2000s that there started to be a major shift in the usage of the term, where self-identified Messianics were no longer found only within Messianic Jewish circles. Jewish believers and churches began to adopt the term Messianic while continuing to practice and worship mainly within a Christian context, similar to the Hebrew Christians of the 20th century. But the term also spread among Gentile believers outside the Messianic Jewish movement, who exhibited varying degrees of a disconnection from Jewishness in general and Jewish believers in particular. Many Christians who were rejecting Christianity for various reasons no longer felt that the word Christian sufficiently represented their current beliefs and practices. So some of them took on the name Messianic. The term has now come to represent believers with a wide spectrum of views, related in some way to a Hebraic perspective of the faith. Anywhere from those who continue within a Messianic Jewish context among Jewish believers, to those who appropriate traditional and cultural practices from Judaism and Jewish culture in their personal life, to those taking upon themselves the obligation of Torah-keeping, either with or without any connection to Jewish believers, and those claiming actual physical descent from Israel based mainly on the desire to keep Torah and a spiritual feeling that they are actually literal Israelites. In short, as the term Messianic has become increasingly separated from the Messianic Jews who pioneered it, it's become diluted among Jewish believers and churches, now more the contemporary equivalent of Hebrew Christians, while at the same time, many Gentile Messianic believers are embracing and engaging with Messianic Jewish practices and theology but no longer finding it necessary to embrace and engage with Messianic Jews. It's essentially an upside-down repeat of what's taken place over the last 2,000 years in the body of Messiah. But instead of Christians claiming the name and promises of Israel for themselves and separating from the Torah and the Jewish people to form the new religion of Christianity, now Christians are forming a new Messianic religion and claiming for themselves the Torah, the practices of Judaism, and in some cases, the lineage of Israel, while still separating from Jewish believers. This, of course, isn't universal, but it's prevalent and a modern-day repeat of what Paul was dealing with among Gentile believers in Galatians and Romans. So what we have now is a mixed bag of what any given believer means when he refers to himself as Messianic. In one sense, then, the label has lost its meaning. Now that it's been effectively detached from Messianic Jews, the word Messianic no longer indicates a common range of beliefs, practices, and goals among a group who share a mostly common ethnicity and background. It's now undefined and nebulous to the point that there are now non-Jewish Messianic congregations that are largely unconcerned with Jewish people, believers, or otherwise. Yet in another sense, the word Messianic continues to infer something Hebraic or Jewish, and the outworkings of this are evident in people's faith practices. What we're seeing now, then, are Gentile believers in various Messianic and Hebrew root circles who are keeping Torah, reading from the Talmud, and adopting and emulating various religious and 
cultural traditions of Judaism, but absent any substantial or intentional ties to Jewish believers. And despite what you or I may feel are the merits or drawbacks with any of these Jewish customs, my concern is that when a Gentile believer practices his Messianic faith this way, without a connection to Jewish believers, regardless of intent, that it may at best be a form of Jewish appropriation, and at worst, a form of soft anti-Semitism. Again, I'm just voicing my concern. Because this is what the Master Yeshua says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. I have known the evil speaking by those saying themselves to be Yehudim, Jews, and are not, but are a synagogue of Hasatan. The irony of this verse, of course, is that Christians often attribute the label synagogue of Satan to Jews, citing their rejection of Yeshua and persecution of the early Jewish believers. But beside the fact that the immediate context gives us no hint of this, it ought to be obvious that the master is referring here to Jewish imposters in the same way that he's referring to apostolic imposters just seven verses earlier in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 when he refers to those saying themselves to be emissaries, but are not. It follows the same pattern as in verse 9. So, unless we're going to read the passage inconsistently, the plain sense is that Yeshua is singling out those who call themselves Jews, but are not, meaning Gentiles, who are impersonating and living like Jews. The passage doesn't give us any more information, so I don't want to speculate about it. But at a very minimum, it should at least serve as a warning and cause Gentile Messianic believers to pause and think about what they're doing. When I see Yeshua talking about those saying themselves to be Jews and are not, from my perspective, this looks and sounds a lot like what goes on among many Gentile Messianic believers today, that they exchange Christianity either for a Messianic form of Judaism or a Jewish-flavored Christianity. Or worse, try to make themselves look outwardly Jewish with long beards and head coverings and prayer shawls. Or worse still, consider themselves actual Israelites and assume a yoke and a heritage that God never gave them, rejecting the ethnicity into which God brought them into the world and not remaining in the calling in which they were called as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 20. That really concerns me. I realize that many well-meaning Messianics come into this way of life, only trying to emulate Yeshua and to be more biblical. And I applaud and welcome that wholeheartedly. But there are ways to do that without defrauding Jews of their uniqueness as a people treasured as God's own and trying to become something that you're not. God doesn't want every believer to be Jewish or Israelite. His children come from every nation, tribe, and language. I say all this to voice my heartfelt concern for my brothers and sisters, obviously, but it also illustrates my larger point. The word messianic is now so undefined that in one sense, it's lost all its meaning. But in another sense, it can now mean anything, including that which is anti-Jewish and even anti-biblical. Now, I have no doubt that everyone who calls himself Messianic does so out of a deeply held conviction. For two millennia, Christians have been taught not to see anything useful or applicable in the Torah 
or the Jewish life of Messiah and his disciples, or in reaching unbelieving Jews with the salvation of Yeshua. Yet an authentic reading of the scriptures calls that teaching into question. By using the biblically legitimate term messianic instead of Christian, it acknowledges a break from the religions of Christianity while still proclaiming our ownership by Messiah and our fellowship with all those who truly follow him, including Christians. And I know many Gentile Messianic brothers and sisters who understand this and apply it soundly to their lives. But the problem with the term Messianic is not just when it fails to define, but when it also starts to earn an honest reputation for beliefs and behavior that exceed the teachings of Scripture, become legalistic and judgmental, and overly embrace the world of Judaism through the appropriation of Jewish culture and behavior or at the expense of connection with Jewish believers. When this happens, it impacts all of us. It affects everyone who calls themselves Messianic. When I apply the term Messianic to myself, then, it's as it was originally intended, as a reminder to Jews and Christians that I'm not a Christian, as people understand Christian culture today, but that I'm still a Jew, I haven't left my Jewishness or my Jewish people, and in following Yeshua, I'm doing the most Jewish thing a Jew can do. But more importantly, and more universally, the word Messianic communicates my belonging to and following of the Messiah, Yeshua. That's what the word Messianic means in Scripture, or as it's translated in the MGLT, Messiah follower. And the onus is on those of us who call ourselves Messianic to live up to that name. First Kepha, Peter, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, If you are denounced in the name of Messiah, you are happy, because the Ruach of glory and of God rests on you. Indeed, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or evildoer, or as a meddler in other men's matters. But if as a Messiah follower, let him not be ashamed, and let him glorify God in this name. So if you're a follower of Messiah, and you call yourself Messianic, and even if you don't, here's my exhortation to you. One, seek and work for the salvation of the Jewish people. Don't just love the Jewish people, either from afar or not at all, and share in their spiritual heritage, yet take no practical action toward giving them a biblically correct explanation of the good news. Learn how and why to effectively share with Jewish people the biblical Jewish Yeshua. Two, as Paul says, remain in the calling in which you are called. If you're Jewish, don't just assimilate into Christianity. Go back to the Bible to find out what kind of Jew Yeshua remade you to be. If you're Gentile, be proud of who you are. Don't assume a heritage or impersonate an ethnicity that God never intended for you. Be careful not to mistake the practices of Judaism for biblical ones, or to appropriate Jewish culture and traditions for yourself, especially absent any meaningful engagement or connection with Jewish believers. Our unity as Jew and Gentile isn't in an outward Hebraic expression of the faith, but in our outward love and service to Israel's Messiah and to one another. And three, make being a Messiah follower your definition of messianic. Don't define your walk with God by how Hebraic you act or how much Torah you keep 
or your knowledge of the feasts or of Judaism's teachings and traditions. Don't be the kind of messianic that people look at funny just because of your unusual beliefs and behavior, but be the kind that is selfless and risks suffering and persecution because you proclaim the love, life, and truth of the Messiah Yeshua with your character, words, and actions. Regardless of what you call yourself, don't let your label speak of how you avoid Christianity or embrace Judaism or your personal preferences in worship and expression. No matter whether you're Jewish or Gentile, don't just be messianic. Be a biblically correct, God-glorifying follower of the Messiah. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org to support the work of Perfect Word Ministries and MJMI with your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching, or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, leave me a comment or shoot me an email at kevin at perfectword.org. That's kevin at perfectword.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. Shalom.